awesome. All right, so you guys should probably know that the first thing that they said when they got up here is that they were nervous because they didn't know what was about to happen. So apparently, I'm you know have a reputation of uh, scaring people. I guess yeah, yeah. I don't I don't even know. I don't even know. Um, well, hey, hey, I'm so excited that you guys are here and in worship with us today. It's a special treat. This is Family Sunday. I'm really glad that you guys are here and worshiping with us. So I have a question for you guys, okay? Are you ready? It's just a simple question. That's it. How have you seen God's love? Praying. Huh? By praying. Praying? I've, I've seen it by, by miracles and stuff. Miracles and stuff, okay. I've seen it through my parents pretending they're in a homework movie. Your parents pretending they're in a Hallmark movie. Okay. I'm not going to say who said that. All right. I love it. Okay. How, <laughs> okay. They, they own that one. All right. I love it. I love it. Anyone else? How have you seen God's love? Huh? Singing. Yes. That's awesome. Anyone else? How have you seen God's love? Huh? Jesus. In Jesus? Yeah. That's awesome. So a few years ago, I got to go for the first time with back-to-back -back ministries to Mexico on a mission trip. And I'm really excited because there's some people here who are going this summer with back-to-back -to, -back to Mexico this, this, this summer also. I'm really excited, and what we're going to do is that we're going to work in some children's homes and with some, some kids in Mexico there. And what was really, really, really cool the first time I was there is I had some older students in high school and in college say that they saw the love of God through other people from the states and other places come and like kick a soccer ball with them and throw a frisbee and throw a football and just show them the love of God just through being kind to them. And it's really crazy that we can see the love of God just through other people being kind. So here's my challenge to you, you guys listening. And I want you to go and tell your parents this too, okay? Because some of your parents need to hear this and they're not hearing what I'm saying right now. And so I need you guys to go tell your parents that it's important to be kind, right? To be kind? To be kind. To people who uh, we might not like or to people who are strangers and we might not know. Because when we are kind to others, we pass on the love of God to other people. Yes. My dad, he shakes my head like this. Oh, did he? He shook his head. Okay. <laughs> the mouth of kids, right? Who knows what they're going to say. So I want you guys to be kind to, like, students in your class, to other people at the playground, to wherever you are, be kind to others, and maybe in your kindness, other people will see the love of God in you. Does that make sense? Yes. So you're saying start a kindness chain. Yes, exactly. Starting a kindness chain. Can you do that? <laughs> are we, I, we could be. Yes. Yeah. There we go. And just keep it going. Keep the chain going to keep being what? kind to others, okay? How you be kind. He says, you, you, um, that says how you stay nice to people. Be nice to people. Yes. Be nice. Yes, exactly. Awesome. All right, you guys can go back and sit with your parents. I appreciate it. Can I hear it for our kids today? Yes. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, we are so glad that everyone is here to join us this Sunday. It is Family Sunday, and we are so glad and excited that our kids are here to join us. We are finishing up a short series that we've just entitled Life, Money, Legacy. 
And so we've talked about life, money, and legacy, and, and all of these are topics that we could have spent weeks going through each individual topic, but we are summarizing it. We're, we're talking about principles, and we're boiling it down to one week because we're not life coaches here trying to help you tackle every you know different situation that comes up in life. We're not financial planners trying to help you create a budget and, and understand the nitty-gritty of finance, but we do deeply believe this truth that we started with a couple weeks ago, that if God created the heavens and the earth, which we deeply believe that he did, then he is the designer and the architect of everything, and he knows how it's best lived. So if that's the case, then what this book is, is not a bunch of rules of do's and don'ts to put a limit on fun. It is telling us from the designer himself, the creator himself, how to best live life and best get the most out of life that we can, to live life to the fullest. Jesus said he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And so this is a roadmap to help us avoid potholes and to help keep us on the right track and avoid getting distracted in life. And this is how we best live life. This is best how, how we understand the meaning and the purpose of life, how we handle our finances. And today we're going to talk about this word called legacy. And it's something that most of the time I have heard from people who are a little bit further along in life than I am that it seems to be this natural thing that just comes up as, as we start reflecting on our life and we ask questions like, what are people going to think of me when I'm gone? Am I leaving this world a better place than the way I found it? What, what is going to be the impact that I make in this world? And we ask these questions as we maybe get a little bit more advanced in years and a little bit older, we start to wrestle with these things. But the reality is that even for those who are young, even for our students who are in here, right, we are building character, we are building a reputation, we are building a legacy every single day that we live. We don't just wake up one morning and go, you know, open the computer or go to a, uh, open a book or something. Okay, today I'm going to start my legacy, right? Today I'm going to form it. Today I'm going to put it together, right? It's just not something we decide to do, but it is something that we build as we go. And it's something that we all wrestle with, right? And so many times we look to money to leave a legacy, we think if we can just donate enough and they'll, they'll name a wing of the hospital after our name, then, then that way my name will be immortalized forever and, it, and everybody will see it. But can I tell you how many times I've walked into a hospital and seen the name on the wall and said, oh, I know who that person is? Or thought, you know, I'm going to go home and I'm going to Google who they are and see what they did. It's precisely zero. <laughs> Never have I ever. The number of churches that I've been a part of or that I've seen and visited where there's a plaque in a room dedicating that room in memory or honor of somebody or a plaque on a pew or in a Bible because they donated it or donated some money and I, I don't know who these people are. Even the churches that I've served that, that have done this, I, I don't know who most of these people are. And that's not the kind of legacy that scripture says that we are to leave to the next generation. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, I believe gives us the legacy that we are to pass on to the next generation. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 4, says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. 
And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. Let them be a symbol on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the legacy that we are to leave to the next, genera next generation, a legacy of deeply loving God. A legacy of loving God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our strength. A legacy of loving God with every fiber of our being, heart, soul, mind, body, strength, everything that we are. A love of God that surpasses anything and everything else in this world. This is the legacy that we are to leave behind for the next generation. This is the legacy that Scripture speaks about us leaving behind to the next generation. We are to talk about the love that we have for God as we go about life, as we sit, as we stand, as we walk, as we go by the way, as we put them on the doorposts of our homes, as we engrave them in, in our hands and our foreheads as a symbol, as a sign that this is supposed to be something that's on our mind all of the time. How often do we talk about this church and we talk about with our kids how much we love God? We talk about all kinds of things as we're in the car to school or as we're on the, in the car to the doctor's office or going this place or another place with our kids in the car. But how many times as we're going do we talk about this deep, deep love for God that we have, that, that others, that, that, we, that we've experienced from God, that we have for God? Now, this is a really hard thing sometimes to fully grasp. This love of God, this, this deep love of God is really, really hard sometimes because God is not somebody like you and me that's physical in the flesh that I can invite up here to speak or that I can sit across from a table from and have a conversation and eat a meal with. And man, it would be amazing if I could invite God up here and just speak and to share his heart with us today, make my job a whole lot easier, I tell you that. But it would be so amazing for us all to be on the same page and to hear directly from Jesus himself. That would be amazing. And, and, and I think about it in that way because the people who I love the most, that I know I love the most, are the people that are in my life on a regular basis, that I sit across from a table from and I have a meal with. That the people I engage with on a regular basis are the people that I have the deepest love in the world for. And so sometimes it's hard because God isn't here in the flesh with us anymore. And so it's hard to experience God in the same way and, and, and develop this deep love for God. But I believe, I deeply believe that the more we follow this book, the more we follow the commands, the principles, what this book has for us, the more we lean into what God tells us as the way he designed life to be lived, the more we'll see that it really does come with life and life abundant, and it will bring blessings from God, and his blessings are evidence of his love and help us fall more in love with him each and every day. So I have a question for you. Last week, as we wrapped up, as we were talking about money, I encourage you to go home and look at your budget and then figure out if you could be a little bit more generous. And I encourage you to make a list of all the goodness that you've seen from God over the last year or two years. How many of you did that? Made that list? Man, I'm so glad I assigned homework. 
church online, please tell me somebody out there did it. Please, and put it in the chat, because somebody, somebody, please, man, I'm just wasting my breath by assigning homework. I'm just kidding. But this is why it's so important, because we are so, so, so quick to forget God's goodness. And if we can remember the ways that God has been good to us, if we remember the ways that he has provided for us, that he has come through for us, if we can remember these, then what it does is it helps us to fall more deeply in love with God to a greater degree than we ever have in the past. But we have to be intentional about remembering these things. We have to be intentional about remembering them, and if we're not intentional about it, then it's just going to fade away and we'll forget and in fact, this is how the Old Testament tells the nation of Israel. This is how God tells the nation of Israel to pass on his goodness to the next generation. It's to tell these stories. Tell these stories of God's goodness. To tell these stories of how God has shown up and shown off. And to tell these stories about how great God has been. We see this several places. I just want to mention a couple real quick. Joshua chapter 4, we see the people of Israel about to cross the Jordan River, and it was in flood season. It was no small task to cross the Jordan, and God sends the Ark of the Covenant ahead of his people, and when they step into the river, it stops. The river parts, and, and the whole nation of Israel crosses on dry ground. And then Joshua, in verse 4 of chapter 4, then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. And Joshua said to them, pass before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. So when your children ask in time, to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off, so these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. This was to be put in a place where the people of Israel would see these stones, and the kids would ask, what do these stones mean? And there is an opportunity to tell of the goodness and the majesty, the power of God, the glorious deeds of the Lord to remind his people and to pass on to the next generation how much God loves them and to deepen our love for God. The same thing is used in Exodus chapter 12 as God establishes the Passover. As he's bringing his people up out of slavery in Egypt where they were for 400 years. In Exodus chapter 12 verse 14, this day shall be kept for you a memorial day that you shall remember it, keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever and you shall keep it as a feast. So every year that they were doing the Passover, every year was an opportunity for the parents to tell their kids about what happened to their ancestors years ago, and it was an opportunity to share of the greatness of God and his might and his strength and his provision as he brought them up out of slavery in Egypt and did amazing things to provide for his people. Psalm chapter 78, verse 4, we will not hide from them, from their children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. So church, let me ask you, adults, parents in here, how are you telling your kids about the glorious deeds of the Lord? How are you telling them these stories? And let me just maybe gently press on some toes this morning. 
If you can't come up with something right away, then you're not doing it. This is not something that just happens by accident. You don't just happen to be in the car going somewhere and say, hey, this thing just popped in the head. Let me, let me tell you about it. Kids don't randomly just say, hey, God, uh, dad, mom, let me, let me ask you, have you seen God's love? Tell me a story of God's goodness in your life. Most of the time, maybe that can occasionally, but on a regular basis to tell the stories of God's faithfulness in your life, that does not happen by accident. And so we need to listen to the word of the Lord. And as he told the people of Israel to set up reminders, memorials, to remember God's grace and his goodness, we too need to set up something to remember the times that God has been faithful to us and the times that we have seen his goodness in our lives. Let me maybe just give you a couple ideas and suggestions this morning. Uh, I heard about this one, Hannah has done it for a few few years now, of getting some small stones based on what we read in Joshua, where you just write with a sharpie on these stones a word or a phrase or something to remind yourself of God's goodness and faithfulness. You keep it in a jar and then put it on a place to be displayed, and then maybe sometimes your kids will see it and say, what do these stones mean? Or maybe they're just in a prevalent place that sometimes here and there you say, hey, let me just pick out a stone here because I want to tell you about the goodness of God. But being in front of us, being in a place that is easy for everyone to see, triggers us to remember God's goodness. Maybe you take a wall in your home and you put pictures or you put ticket stubs or you put save the dates or you put something on the wall to remind yourself of how you've seen God's goodness and his grace and his love in your life so that your kids can see and say, hey, what's this picture about? Or, hey, what's this thing from? And when people come into your home, they can see it and they're like, hey, what's this about? And there's a beautiful opportunity for you to tell of the goodness of God in your life. Maybe you're a writer and you really enjoy writing and you want to keep a journal. Get a journal that you intend on just writing some of these stories down and leaving it open in a place in your home where your kids can read it, where guests can read it when they come over for dinner or when they come over to stay the night or, or whatever the, the, the case may be, that people see it, that it's on public display so that they will ask, so that they can hear how good God has been in your life. Because if we are not intentional about passing on this love of God to the next generation, it's not going to get passed on. And we have got to make sure that this is the legacy that we are leaving for the next generation, a legacy of a deep love of God. Now, anyone who's been around any amount of time knows how much our world has changed in the last few years. Not just even in the last couple years, but you, you act 30 years, and some of you who are a little bit older than me remember the last, like, 50 years and how much our world has changed. Do you think that the world is going to change in another 30, 50 years? Do you think this is going to be a different world for your kids and your grandkids and what we live in now? Shake your head yes. The answer is yes. It's going to be a different world. And that's why it's so important that we pass down the love of God not necessarily how we love God. Now, there's a difference here. 
even as some of the kids mentioned this morning, how we experience God, how we show our love for God is going to be different because there's so many different people in this room, different passions, different gifts, and some of you express your love for God in song, some of you express your love for God in dance, some of you express your love for God in art. Right? Some of you serve God through intentional acts of service where you know of a need, you're going to meet that need. Others prefer to, to show their love for God in random acts of kindness and paying for a meal of someone behind you or doing something random for someone that you know that was just out of the blue because you felt led to. Sometimes how we love God and serving others is sitting down across from the table with somebody and talking about God and just having a conversation with people. How we are built, how we are designed, how we are made is so different. So it's not important as much so that we pass down how we love God, but that we love God. And that we pass that love down to the next generation. Does that make sense, church? Does that make sense? People are different. Your passions are different. My passions are different. And sometimes even over my lifetime, I've seen how my passions have been different and how my passions have changed. And some of you are deeply, deeply passionate about the life of the unborn, and that is amazing. Some of you are deeply passionate about the foreigner, the immigrant, the refugee, and that's amazing. We read this book, and we see God's heart deeply for both and how we are to care for both. And no one person can love everybody in the world. We need the church together, unified, so that we work together to share this love of God to everyone we meet. Now, I know, I know for a lot of this time together, I've talked about kids and passing this on to the next generation through our kids, and I've, I've done that intentionally for a couple reasons. One, this is just a season of life that I'm in. I have two little kids at home. I am full dad mode, dad brain, 90% of the week, it seems like. It's crazy. Sometimes I get away and I'm able to turn it off for just a moment, but then it comes right back. Also, because when we look at the Old Testament, this is really the system and the structure that we see, the family system and an emphasis on parents passing this on to their kids and their grandkids and the next generation in this way. This is also so many of, of you have kids or, or grandkids and can identify and relate so deeply to this. But when we come over to the New Testament, the same expectations are there, but it's a little bit more broad. For the duration of, of Paul's ministry, as we understand it, Paul was, was single and had no kids, and yet he had spiritual children. Timothy and Titus that he poured into it and refers to them as spiritual children. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 2, to Timothy, my true child in the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? Whether you have kids or not, the expectation is that we pass on a legacy of deeply loving God. If you are a parent, if you're a grandparent, then it starts in your home. If not, then who are people in your life who can be spiritual children that you can lead to a faith and an understanding of who God is? These might be children who are older than you, who are your same age, who are younger than you. The expectation is that we pour into the next generation this deep love of God. 
you know, I picked a little bit earlier on some churches that have had plaques in the room or dedicated a room to this person or that person and the pews and the plaques and that kind of thing. But I've been part of a couple churches that have done that, and every single time I ask about a name, the thing that comes up is not how much money they gave, but it's how involved they were in the church. It's how much they volunteered in the kids' ministry, or it was how they came by every week and cleaned the church because somebody needed to do it, or it was when they were standing at the door greeting people with a smile day after day, week after week, that they showed up and they served and they helped and they poured into the local church. We are a family here. And there are a lot of parents, there's a lot of kids here, even in our service today, and it is so beautiful when other people are teaching our children on a weekly basis and pouring into the next generation when it's not even their own kids. And I know that there are some people who have done that for decades and have poured into the next generation. And I feel like the words of John in 3 John 1, 4 is what they would echo to every student who has been through their children's ministry as they volunteered. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I know they take great joy when it's their own children walking in the truth, but there is an equal joy for those who are serving in the children's ministry when they see those kids who they poured into for years come up and still walk in the truth. Church, you're pouring into the next generation when you come and you serve with a smile here. When you come and you serve and pour into our kids' ministry or our student ministry, or when you greet people at the, at the door as people come in, I still hear about people saying, you know, I'm here because so-and-so greeted me at the front door with a smile. I'm here and I've grown in my faith because so-and-so came up to me after a service and they introduced themselves to me and they just expressed interest and they were asking questions and they were talking to me and it was because of that interaction and that person that I'm still here and I've grown in my faith. And, and it is a beautiful thing. <clears throat> when that happens. And this is leaving a legacy. This is leaving a legacy of a deep love for God for the next generation. So I thank you, all of you who serve, who are in children's ministry, who are greeting at the door, who are checking kids in, whatever it may be, who are doing that with a smile and instilling this amazing love of God that you've experienced to the next generation. It is clear, it is clear that you understand that it all starts here at the cross. This is where it all starts, when we see and understand in a deep way God's love for us, and we realize that we pass this on to the next generation. That God did not withhold his love, his only son, but loved each and every one of us so much that he gave up his son to die on a cross to watch him, to watch him go through that. Because that's how much he loves us. And so we gratefully give up a Sunday here and there to pour into others and to serve, to pass on that love to other people and to leave a legacy of deeply loving God. Father, we are so grateful 
for this love that you have displayed on this cross, for the love that you have shown us in the person of Jesus, in his ministry, and what he taught, and what he did. We are so grateful for this deep love that you show to us. And God, we pray that we can remember the times that we have experienced that for ourselves and that we can share those stories with the next generation. We pray for opportunities to show and display that love to other people as you did on the cross for us, that we can serve others in a way where they see your love. God, we just pray this week that we will start a system, start a way, start somehow collecting these stories and putting them together and displaying them for our kids, for our grandkids, for guests, for people who come into our homes, for people that we are with, so that we can tell of the glorious deeds that you have done. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. We are going to pause in this moment because this time, too, of communion is a memorial that we set aside to remember the death of Jesus Christ, to remember the excruciating death that he experienced on the cross so that we could have life in him, so that we could have eternal life in him, so that we could be in relationship with him, so that we could walk daily with him, so that he is in our life, that he lives and dwells within our soul and within our being. And so in this moment, we just say thank you. We just say thank you. If you'd like someone to pray with you in this moment, I'm going to be down here and other people from our prayer team will be around and we would love a chance to pray with you, to talk to you about anything, any decisions you would like to make. Maybe you want to give your life to Christ as we saw Darren do today. If you just want to come and talk with somebody, we're going to be here. Father God, we are so grateful for all that you have done. We are so grateful for your love displayed on the cross for us. We are so grateful for the love that we have experienced in our own life as we have seen you show up and show off and show your mighty works and your power. God, we are so grateful. And we just pray in this moment that we will take this time to commune with you that we will reflect on that, that we will remember some of those stories and some of those times. And we say thank you for the death and resurrection of Jesus. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.